I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. This episode of Canada Land is brought to you by Douglas, a mattress that is trusted by more than 200,000 Canadians from coast to coast to coast. It's a great mattress at a very reasonable price point. Comes with a 20-year warranty. And a great deal for our listeners. Douglas is giving you a free sleep bundle with each mattress purchase. Get the sheets, pillows, mattress, and pillow protectors free with your Douglas purchase today. Visit douglas.ca slash CanadaLand to claim this offer. That is douglas.ca slash CanadaLand. This episode is brought to you by the Center for Addiction and Mental Health here in Toronto. Cutting-edge, state-of-the-art, compassionate facility. Right now, it is Mental Health Awareness Week. This is the time when they need you most. This is the time when you can make a real difference when it comes to doing something about the mental health crisis and the devastating opioid epidemic, the overdose epidemic that we're currently experiencing, losing 20 people every day. They need your help. Donate at camh.ca slash CanadaLand to help CAMH treat addiction and build hope. Well, we gave it our best shot. This Thursday's issue of The Grid will be our last... We are shutting down immediately. That's from a tweet that was sent out by The Grid, the Toronto Weekly City Magazine. Don't call it an alternative news weekly. They never liked that. Announcing the end of their publication, which had only begun a few years earlier in 2011, when Torstar, the Toronto Star Corporation, rebranded its played out alternative news weekly, I, into a really fresh new take on the format called The Grid. Within hours, over a thousand people had retweeted that message. People were really bummed to hear this news. A lot of people were quite surprised. And why not? The Grid had so much going for it. It had great design. It had great content. It had an exploding food scene to cover. It had Rob Ford. I mean, for a city newspaper, can you ever imagine a time to be covering municipal politics when there would be more interest on what was going on than to be covering Toronto from 2011 onwards? The grid had so much in its favor. On the other hand, it was a newspaper. And, you know, the death of an individual newspaper is hardly noteworthy in and of itself these days. But the passing of the grid is perhaps worth a close look, if for no other reason than by all of the conventional wisdom of what might work in a print format, the grid was doing everything right. Or was it? Was there something else they could have done? Was print itself the problem? Could it have worked online? 
or was it a fool's errand? Was it doomed from the start? Were the trends the grid was fighting just too powerful, like blowing into a hurricane? Well, ever since the announcement, everybody has been speculating on this. And so today on Canada Land, I'm going to ask some people who would know. I've spoken to a bunch of editors at the grid. I've spoken to a bunch of freelancers about this whole project and whether anyone will ever try to publish a newspaper in Canada ever again. And you're going to hear what they have to say in just a moment. This episode is brought to you by the Center for Addiction and Mental Health. Right now, there is an opioid crisis. Right now, there is a mental health crisis. But right now, it is Mental Health Week. And what that means is you can do something about these crises. You can help people. You can help CAMH save lives. They offer treatment with dignity, and they are doing cutting-edge research. I don't know if anybody listening to this is untouched by this crisis. You can see it in the downtown of every city in this country. You certainly feel it in Toronto. This is not something happening to other people. These are our friends. These are our communities, our families. We are all touched by addiction. We are all touched by the mental health crisis, and we all share responsibility to do something about it. Helping CAMH is something you can do about it. Help change mental health care forever. Your support will help CAMH build a future where nobody is left behind. Donate at camh.ca slash CanadaLand to help them treat addiction and build hope. This episode is brought to you by Douglas, a mattress trusted by more than 200,000 Canadians from coast to coast to coast. Trust is important. There are a lot of mattress lies out there, a lot of mattress liars and I, I, I didn't intend the pun, but it occurred to me that there is one as I was saying those words. Listen, I am not lying to you. Uh, I have uh, experienced the Douglas mattress. It is an exceptional mattress at a surprisingly affordable price point. It is a mattress that sleeps cool, doesn't have that weird thing in the summer where the mattress gets like an oven. It's a very good product. It's delivered to your house in a box. You don't have to go to a big mattress store. It is a medium firm mattress, which is what Canadians prefer, and it comes with a 365-night trial and a 20-year warranty. What more can I tell you? Douglas is giving our listeners a free sleep bundle with each mattress purchase. Get the sheets, pillows, mattress, and pillow protectors free with your Douglas purchase today. Visit douglas.ca slash CanadaLand to claim this offer. CanadaLand is sponsored by Audible.com. Audible has a catalog of over 150,000 audiobooks, and you can get one free right now. It's pretty easy. It doesn't take very long. You go to audibletrial.com slash CanadaLand. You sign up for a 30-day free trial, and then you can immediately download an audiobook, listen to it from your phone or your computer, in your car, wherever. Here's an audiobook that I liked that you might like too. Heat by Bill Buford. It was one of the first books along with Anthony Bourdain's Kitchen Confidential that sort of launched the whole food craze. I refuse to say foodie. It launched this renewed interest in food and where it comes from. It's a pretty serious journalistic take. Bill Buford dedicated months, I think years, to immersing himself in food culture. He worked his way up in Mario Batali's kitchen. He traveled to Italy and profiled this fascinating butcher. It's really lively, interesting stuff. It makes for a good audiobook, and you can get it or any other audiobook you want for free right now at audibletrial.com slash CanadaLand. So go check it out now. My name is Leanne George, and I'm the editor of The Grid. So my name is Edward Keenan. I was a senior editor at The Grid from the time it launched. I'm Denise Balkasoon. I was a freelancer at The Grid. I did their real estate columns, and I did the occasional feature as well. 
I'm David Topping. I was an associate editor and then a staff writer at The Grid. My name is Eric Zelland, and I was um, the wine pond, a.k.a. the wine critic for The Grid. David Sachs, I was a regular contributor to The Grid from day one. Yeah, I was surprised. I, you know, I knew that we had uh, an engaged audience. I was surprised by the news. I think everybody uh, was. Uh, we didn't really see it coming. I didn't give it till the end of this year. I wasn't surprised. I mean, because Torstar was their parent company, and everyone knows Torstar sold Harlequin a couple months ago, and they're obviously freaking out that their revenue model um, isn't working. No, I wasn't surprised. I feel like I'm so, I'm like someone in their 80s who it's just like every day it's like, oh, did you hear about Rose? Liver cancer. You know, it's like... Every day I'm, you're going to a funeral for something. And, and I just know, you know, when something good happens these days, it's like, it's just, it's just a question of time. When I was at the grid, I kind of always expected that my key card would stop working at some point. And, you know, once in a while uh, at the top of the parking garage, uh, it wouldn't quite swipe right. And I was just convinced like, okay, well, that's it. <laughs> like either I'm laid off or I'm laid off and everyone else lost their job. Um, no, I wasn't surprised, but I was sad. I was really sad because I was a big fan of, of the grid and the customer. So my name's Candace Saxer, and I was uh, VP New Ventures for Torstar Digital at the time the grid was created. The grid was a labor of love. It seemed so apparent to me four years ago that there was this huge demographic in Toronto. You know, we've had this, we had this boom, this explosion of condos and development downtown. We had all of these young people moving downtown and living downtown for the first time in the, the history of the city. And nobody was really in the media space. Nobody was really speaking to them. I mean, it was excellent. You know, a beautiful, quality, alternative weekly that was different and told all sorts of great stories about Toronto and had some great commentary and very thorough on food. It was, it was just, I thought it was an outstanding publication. Um, and it was very, very evident that it was creatively very successful. Uh, the Grid did, I think, a really good thing, which is that they made the print product so attractive that reading it in print was actually the sort of default best option, even though it was slightly less convenient than just, you know, looking at it on your phone. I still get the print issue every single week. I don't think I've actually missed ever picking up a copy of one. That voice of the city that it really kind of targeted and, and just nailed in a way that none of the other publications were getting. They carved out a voice for Toronto that wasn't, that nobody was tapping into. Toronto Life wasn't tapping into it. The Globe, none of the dailies. Now, for sure not. It was really fun. I mean, I thought the grid was really fun to read. I thought they did a good job of covering some serious stories in a fairly small space. And my favorite thing about them as someone who worked with the, with the staff at the grid is that they were really willing to take risks. It, it seemed like something that once it existed, felt like it should have kind of always been there and felt natural and felt like fit. Well, I, I really don't think it was an audience issue. I, I think we had a strong and engaged readership. I mean, I think that it failed on the publishing side. If the idea was always to fund it based on print advertising, then then that was never going to work. It was never the intention from day one that it would sort of survive and, and thrive upon advertising and print. You know, the old all-weekly model was that you bring in all kinds of ad, ad revenue. And in the old all-weekly mo model, a lot of that ad revenue was classified and a lot of the rest of it was um, 
bars and movie theaters advertising, you know, things happening in the city. Uh, and almost all of that advertising has more or less dried up over the last 10 years gradually. You know, our hope was that we would launch a really good print product and we would, by virtue of creating a very high quality product, we would attract advertisers who would then support us in other ventures. That's the trick. And I think you see that all over the place as people are sort of saying, okay, well, we'll launch a magazine and we that will be the thing that, you know, our sort of ra- reason for being, but then we'll sell a line of, you know, fine linens. And the idea was that we had a relationship with readers um, through our brand, I guess, and we had a relationship with advertisers, marketers, we had a relationship with the people we write about, and so we could bring those people together at events that could be profitable for us. Um, I know for sure they put a lot of effort into events, like Burger Week. Uh, Burger Week, Cocktail Week. It was always kind of going to be a vehicle for these other things, but those other things just never were able to get enough steam under them and, and, and scale in, in the time that it took. I had my doubts around the scalability and viability of that kind of model. To me, it just never seemed sustainable. I don't know how much range there was in the thinking, right, around different models. You know, maybe it's something that, you know, I don't know, Smirnoff or something like that needs to just pay 100% for and have it be their <laughs> weekly magazine or something like that. If if it was behind a large, if it had a big sort of Condé Nast-like publishing group behind it that was willing to just sort of say, you know what, this is our... This is our like test case. We're just going to like keep this thing alive because it's this is where we're going to incubate great ideas and, and do things. Or if it had some individual backer behind it with lots of money. I think the grid probably could have had a better internet presence as well. What would have been nice if, this, if, if Torstar kind of tried to fold it into a, a week cool weekend section? It, everything's 2020, so it's easy to look back now. But I definitely think there could have been different ways to approach the same content, right? I think even thinking nationally about this, right? Like to do local well, you kind of have to have a national platform and to attract some national ad dollars, you may want it to have more cities. I don't know. I, I just, I, I would like to think that with the cost of publishing being practically free online, that there was a different way. If there was another way of positioning this business, I don't know what it, what it would have been. So it, it becomes this almost existential question where like every metric we would use to measure success uh, in readership, in circulation, awards, in our own subjective uh, assessment of the quality, we, we were ticking all those boxes, right? The vast lion's share of our revenue was coming in through the paper. If we had been digital only, we wouldn't have survived for this long. And the outpouring of support that we saw for The Grid on Twitter and social media in general after the announcement came out is evidence that there is, there is an audience looking for good editorial content. And there's money out there. <laughs> it's just nobody seems to have figured out how to put the two things together quite yet. I don't know. I don't know what we could have done. Well, I mean, when I talked to Lars Turnbull, uh, I mean, he said essentially that for the first time, um, didn't see a way to turn it around. He didn't see um, a path to profitability. I don't think it was an easy decision internally. And um, the problem was uh, at a certain point, there was no real path to profitability, and I, underst- I can understand why they would say um, we cannot continue to justify investing in this when we don't see how it's ever going to um, 
pay off at this level. I mean, yes, they could have turned it into something else, um, but then I, I really believe that it wouldn't would no longer be the product that people were responding to. I don't I don't necessarily blame Torstar for shutting it down. Um, we had done work that we could all be proud of, and a long, slow process of you know further layoffs and then further layoffs and sort of shrinking the paper smaller and um, trying to do more with less would just sort of grind it out and make everybody bitter. Personally, I mean, you're asking for my personal... I, personally, I would rather... Um, I would rather... Well... You know, you... It's still a pretty emotional thing, actually. It's... I, I feel... I don't know that it would have made for a better situation if they had absorbed it into the star and turned it into a section of a paper or uh, a website that was run by two people. I mean, I, I'm not sure that that would be an, a better outcome for the brand as far as I'm concerned personally. Uh, I mean, I think we've seen that happen before with other brands where they've been sort of resurrected for six months and with a staff of three and, you know, printed uh, with you know, very infrequently or on an odd schedule. And it just, it doesn't, I don't know about keeping it alive just for the sake of keeping it alive. The thing that's been so tough about the shutdown, um, I mean, and I've been speaking about this with a lot of people, is for me, it was like, uh, if this thing can't make it, I don't really, how good are the odds for the rest of us? I am also profoundly disappointed just as a, as a, a laborer in this industry, because I was being made hopeful. At least half a dozen alternative weeklies in Canada have folded or been closed. I think I think you'll see more alternative weeklies fold as as we go. It's just been a bloodbath, and all weeklies have been dropping like flies, and newspapers been cutting down like crazy. It's it's yeah. Anyone who starts anything now is, is nuts. Someone's going to try something, and maybe they'll fail, and odds are they're going to fail. Then the next person's going to come along and try something new. Like It's not like people are just going to throw up their hands and like, that's it, forget it, you know, law school for everyone. I hope somebody else does step up and take a swing. I hope they try some of the same things to see if they can get a different result, but I hope they also come up with some different ideas because I think, um, I mean, the people mostly in this industry, not the investors, but the people who work in this industry mostly got attracted to it because it's something they really wanted to do. And you can see lots of people are doing it for free or for pennies. So I, I think there's still creative energy out there to do this kind of stuff. Um, and I, I think we need people to keep experimenting, although this isn't a very encouraging end to it. In Canada especially, it seems like you kind of get one kick at any particular can, at least lately. So you know, whether it's a different model for how you do journalism or it's a, it's a demographic targeted in a different way. I think people maybe look at it, look at the one that tried it and failed and then no one ever tries that thing again. Yeah, I just wish that Canada, you know, maybe as Canadians we need to realize that we need to support these things as readers and subscribers because maybe the way our country is, it's never going to work on ads. You know, when I look at all the journalism that's folding, it makes me also, aside from sad, as someone who tries to make that her livelihood, like, it's kind of scary. It's kind of scary that we don't necessarily want to fund people that are researching the important things about our country and our government that people want to hide. 
So I don't know when we're going to wake up to we need to put our dollars there. We collectively uh, need things like this. They make the city or the you know the country a more interesting place to live for a while. Uh, but beyond that, I think like it was fun, right? I mean, yes, because everyone loved the paper and they will miss it, and I think it leaves a bit of a hole in 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 Toronto. I'm disappointed that it's not around. I mean, I got laid off last June, I guess. So I haven't even been there for a year. I, you know, I know I'm supposed to be, you know, angry or bitter about all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I just was like glad there was this thing that existed in Toronto because what it meant is that this thing that I cared about, which was, you know, Toronto and journalism and sort of the future of both of those things, that it was healthy, that, that something like this could exist meant good things for, you know, the future of Toronto and media. And now it's gone. It's a big loss. You know, market leaders in New York Times, the Toronto Star, with more readers than they've ever had in their history, with circulation as high as it's ever been, gaining market share in the ad market against their competitors, but still losing revenue in gross terms year over year, right? Despite the fact that we've just shut our doors, I'm actually not, um, uh, I'm actually not that pessimistic about the future of journalism. And um, I, I do wonder about what form it will take. I have no, I, I don't know what it'll look like in five years from now. I don't know what, you know, tablet publications will look like. I don't know where people will be primarily reading, but I don't believe that it's going to disappear? It doesn't feel to me like it was a waste of time. Um, it was a worthwhile enterprise for us involved in it anyway. It was a lot of fun while it lasted. Uh, I'm very disappointed <laughs> uh, that it's over. Okay, that's Canada Land for this week. I hope you liked it. Email me. I read everything you send me. I respond when I can. And I'm at jesse at jessebrown.ca. I also tweet at Jesse Brown. And the show's website is canadalandshow.com. If you have not downloaded your free audiobook yet, go do so immediately at audibletrial.com slash canadaland. I make this show with Christopher DeMello. We will have another episode for you on Monday. If you like the show, recommend it. Hey, I need you to pay close attention to this message. It is not an ad. This is about Canada land, and this is about you. You need to know that the news crisis is about to get a lot worse. You've heard about the layoffs. We're about to have news closures, and it's very likely that we're going to be seeing the defunding of the CBC. Where are you going to get your information from? What can you do about this? You can support Canada land. We need you to. And so for this month and this month only, you can become a Canada land supporter and get everything our supporters get. For just $2 a month, that is an almost 80% discount. The clock is ticking on this. It disappears at the end of the month, and then we will not offer it. We need your support. We need to keep news coverage alive in Canada. Go right now to canadaland.com join. And thank you. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. 
Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. This Mother's Day, treat mom to healthy, glowing skin with Osea's limited edition skincare sets. Osea has been making clean, seaweed-infused products for nearly 30 years. Their advanced eye care duo brightens and firms skin around your eyes, while the Golden Glow Body Trio nourishes and smooths skin all over. Go to oseamalibu.com and use code MOM for 10% off your first order site-wide.